0: Uh, let's go to see Red Fred. He's back. I mean, oh that's a that that's a, a, an amateur move, Fred. When you know you call in earlier, then when we're ready to go to you and then you're not there. I thought you're more of a pro. I I was ready to rock and roll. He just I don't know what happened. I got disconnected. Regardless.
1: Who cares? But Sylvie, in crosstalk, did you t- say that the Bulls would
0: not have beat Houston? if MJ didn't retire. Is that right? Did I hear that correctly? I don't. What I said was, is they matched up poorly with Houston, and I don't believe they would have won eight in a row. They barely had enough steam to win their third in a row and the second Pete. How would they have been able to continue to have that same desire through eight? Sylvie, as a Bulls historian, I
1: feel compelled to explain this. After they beat the Suns, the Bulls added Tony Kukoc that summer, Steve Kerr, Wennington, Longley. Then MJ retires, and that team minus MJ took the Knicks to seven games in the conference semifinals, and then the Knicks took the Rockets to seven games in the finals. Yet you're telling me if they had the GOAT, they couldn't beat Houston? Have you lost your mind? What they they, they would have won eight in a row. There's no doubt
0: You think that they Jordan would it like? Would that ninety five ninety six team have won seventy two games if Jordan would have played in those two years? The, the the breather that he got, even though they lost to Orlando the year he came back, it sort of rejuvenated him. And then when they lost to Orlando, he sort of reestablished himself. And then the Bulls had to go get Rodman, and that helped them a lot too. I don't know, Fred, if if they don't have a hiccup in one of those postseasons.
1: I totally disagree with this narrative. It wasn't like he was sitting around watching T V. He was playing baseball, which believe it or not, is a difficult sport. He had to learn all the discipline and we worked out hard. If he would have focused if his father never died, I think that was the impetus for him going to baseball. And I think we would have won eight in a row. And not only that, this is what makes this this weekend so difficult for me. Is that I you know, you know, I love the Bulls more than anyone on this planet. But it's a it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy what happened that Jerry Krause really sent the goat away. We knew after the fifth title that that his the goat staying was tied to Phil Jackson coaching. Yet Jerry Krause's ego was so big it got in the way to tell him I don't care if you're 82 and 0 you're gone. Like what? Even looking back on it, it just breaks my heart. It's like the Beatles breaking up. It's like oh yeah they had a great solo career. No they. It would have been better if they would have had the best of all four of them together for a decade, making more great albums. It's not something to celebrate. It's a tragedy. How did
0: you, Fred, how did you vote on Mellor's web poll question? Would you have taken, would you have rather had a seventh championship with Michael and Scotty or one championship with Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah?
1: Absolutely the seventh championship because that what happened to the Bulls it, it uh, affected 2010. Dwayne Wade even said he brought it up in 2010 that the Bulls did Michael wrong.
0: I'm going to go get if, a if drink. You guys time. let me know when you're done. <laughs>
1: it's Tommy, a Bulls I love geek you. fest legend, right now. <laughs> but, 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 Tommy, don't you agree? I, do you agree with me? I mean, come on. Don't you think the Bulls would have won eight in a row? You know,
0: Fred, you know I, I, I love you, but, like, my old eyes rolled in the back of my head about a minute and a half ago. I'm not going to lie. All right.
1: Well, they, they would have won eight in a row. And they would have won nine if Krause would have brought God, Michael right. back. And not only that, I'm going to do 50 million people are going to watch this weekend. Wait and see. I love you guys. Have a great 50 weekend. 50
0: million? Everybody. No, 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 no. no. Do, you, do you really think that they could? They would have gone eight straight? I mean, I know that's the homery thing to I'm say. I'm going to rely on you because you were in the heart of all of this. I don't – I. I, I, I don't have a, a an educated opinion on whether or not they could have done that. I just don't. I couldn't recall. I'm with Sylvie. I, they were, like,
2: so many times they were running on fumes, and you're talking about, like, you know, getting, like, an additional, like, 100 games when you factor in the playoffs. Right. That two-season that two, that two season hiatus
0: cannot be dismissed as to how instrumental it was allowing them. What's going on? This is Noah of the Chicago Bulls, and you're listening to Chicago Bullseye.
1: I'm not here to f around
2: this week! Now well, you may be, but I'm not! You're healthy? Hey, Ma! We get some meatloaf!
0: You're insane! You're insane! My hair is My house isn't even as spread as you said! Are you telling me what i I don't know what we're yelling about!
2: Now, if you don't think this
3: is the greatest, I will fight you. That's a lie. Lap for the killers. All right, let's rock. Give it up for them gangsters. That. One time for the killers.
0: Oh, oh, oh.
3: Double up for them gangsters. I just the. T- I
0: have no idea. I got to be honest. I come in, it's like a little like I'm like you
3: still Hello
2: again, everybody. Welcome. To another exciting edition of the Chicago Bullseye, and this is a very special edition. My longtime friend, Big Dave Watson of Bulls Outsiders, coming on the Bullseye. How you doing, Big Dave?
3: Brother Fred, you know I'm alright, man. I'm doing good. It's Change is afoot. Change is around. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, though, man. How about you?
2: Uh, I, I'm living the dream. I, I mean, obviously, trying to stay safe, and, and you know, our thoughts right. go out to everybody on the front lines, and of hope course. everybody... Uh, or remain safe and healthy. But I hope there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There definitely is a light at the end of the tunnel for the beloved bull with yes. the, the new era of AK forty uh, for the sevens and and all the changes that he's going to implement.
3: Did you say AK for the seven? <laughs> That's
2: exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. I thought that was pretty good. It took me a while it. to come up with that.
3: I but, like
2: that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I, I, I'm pretty excited about this pick. Why don't we start out with that before we get into uh, the topics at hand? What was your sure. initial impression when you heard the news, and are you happy about this move?
3: When I heard the news, I I exhaled. I was very, very happy about it. I thought he was the right man for the job when the interview process was, was going on. He was the only one, I thought. Like, oh yeah, he'd be, he'd be a great fit. Cause you just look at his background. Look at the track record about what he did in Denver. I mean, you saw what he did, man, with the draft picks he made and Jokic getting Jokic in the second round. He's like the 41st pick and he's like, a, he could be a top five MVP candidate. You got Jamal Murray, who's the all star type guard already. I didn't think he'd be this good this soon. Uh, they got a great coach in Mike Malone. Um, they didn't make a lot of huge moves. They just have a really good team and he's second in the West. Like, that can't be understated. It's the West, and it's the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. And then he took my guy, Michael Porter Jr., who I really wanted. So that lets me know that he's not afraid to take a calculated risk because he figured I'm sure he figured, yeah, hey, this is the number two seed. We can take this kind of risk and get this kind of guy. So even if it doesn't work out, we'll still be prepared for whatever happens. But it looks like he's playing well, and he looks like what I thought he was uh, outside of that back injury before it happened. So I like the fact he takes calculated risks. I like the fact that his background is a love for the Chicago Bulls because he played in Lithuania. You know, he's from Lithuania. So he played in Lithuania and he got a chance to actually play those Bulls in 98 when the Bulls went overseas. I believe he had led Lithuania with 19 points when he played. And he said a sentence in in his open letter, which uh, uh, awesome open letter, by the way. Mm -hmm. And he said a sentence in there where he said the Chicago Bulls represented American basketball for me. And for me, that was huge. He did, it didn't just say it represented the NBA, you know. It didn't represent you know just what he, just what he saw. It, it represented American basketball and how it's supposed to be played. So he understands the culture of the Chicago Bulls. He understands the culture of the winning Chicago Bulls, and he knows what it's supposed to be. And to have a guy who gets the culture and who loves the team like he does. And now he's a guy running the team. So I know that he can't wait to try to get this team back to the top where we belong.
2: So I've endorsed Michael Finley for GM, Adrian Griffin for head coach. Do you agree with that endorsement, or do you feel like there are better answers out for both positions?
3: Here's been my feeling on all this. And, and yes, I think those are great choices. Those are awesome choices. I really have no uh, dog in the race in the head coaching or – the GM, because I'm just gonna trust AK, and I keep using this analogy, Fred, that he's the new head chef in the kitchen, and and what I see him cooking up, Fred, smells damn good. <laughs> the rocks. I, I smell what he's cooking, man. I smell what he's cooking. Oh my god, it smells great. So whatever he brings out of that kitchen and puts in front of me to eat, I'm excited for it. So I'm not gonna leave him alone. I'm not gonna tell him what ingredients to put in. He can use all the paprika and all the pepper and whatever he want to use in that pot. As long as he keeps cooking, as long as he keeps smelling like it is, I'm okay with it. So I trust his decision-making. I trust his choice. He he just seems completely level-headed and knows what he wants to do. Like the man said that he wants to get a GM that doesn't think like him. He wants somebody that, that has a different set of, you know, of eyes, different, set of, different different philosophies because that's how you grow. That's how yeah. you learn. Not having a yes-man around all the time. That's awesome. And then he wants a more people. He, he doesn't mind like having – a roundtable uh, of people around him, you know, trying to figure out the best way to make the best decision because that's, that's awesome. Knowing, knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know, you've already, you know, won half the battle. And so, yeah, he's, I I just trust him. So I don't have a dog in, in the fight about the head coach. I know who, who shouldn't be head coach at <laughs> the GM. So yeah, like I don't, I don't, I'm not tripping on whoever he brings in. Honestly, I, I'm going to just trust him fully.
2: That's great uh, to hear, because I agree 100%. And, and you always had, I always thought, a measured take on things. You weren't part of Doggable Nation. You you admitted when they did, you know, when when Pax made the correct moves and, and were really positive about it. I'm so excited because just like in, in an instant, right away, the entire fan base has turned from overtly negative to overtly positive. And yeah. I, I just like it when, when hate doesn't sell. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. And I think we're definitely in there as a fan base now. But let's take a look back because very few people I know who are more knowledgeable about the history of this organization. What do you feel the three best moves of the Pax era were?
3: Wow, that's a great question, man. And you're right, Fred. I've I've never been one to just dog him out to dog him out. And I've never been one to just give him praise just to give him praise. Uh, When he's done wrong, I've been on him. And when he's done right, I've praised him. I mean, he deserves all that. Uh, he's done a lot, honestly, for this organization, man. He's done a whole lot. So even when you gave me this question, there was like several things that came to my head. Uh, of course, you know, you can say draft Derrick Rose. Uh, you can say, I mean, even even him going to the Rhinsdorfs in December and saying, guys, something needs to change. Yeah. I, I need to change. You know what that takes for somebody to walk up and say, hey, you guys should get rid of me. You know what that takes? Like, seriously, man. Like, I commend him for doing things like that because that's putting somebody else before you. You know what I'm saying? It took yeah. a long time, but the fact that you did it, I commend him for. it. I do. I commend him for doing stuff like that. Um, Man, drafting Big Gordon. I mean, trading Nico, getting him out of here. And firing Scott, <laughs> Scott, firing Scott Skiles. Oh, yes. All those things I, I appreciate him for. But I, had to, I, I, I went another way with my top three moves that he's made. I'm going to say one of my be- think his best moves that he made was drafting Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And why I feel that way is because nobody was looking at Jimmy Butler at all to turn from what he was into what he is and to get that in a late late first round when when you said his name everybody went who and nobody knew who he was coming out of Marquette. I mean, come on. Like and a guy who just worked his way into being a star in this league and a guy who worked his way to being the best player on your team, like to the point where, you know, he's leading your team. Like you're, you're leaning on Jimmy Butler. Nobody saw this coming. Right. Like, so to, to have that kind of foresight in the draft, which is where I've always trusted John Paxson was in the draft. I thought was amazing. So I thought Jimmy Butler was an incredible pick and he should get a whole lot of credit for that. Um, the other thing he did that I thought was awesome was signing Tom Thibodeau. Uh, when they signed Thibs, that was the start of the run for me. That that let me know, okay, we're 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 trying to win. It's it's official now. We're going for it because that was the right coach to pick for this team. It was the it was the for me it was a no brainer. Like you are like, oh no, it's got to be this guy Tom Thibodeau. But you know, of course, there were still people out there like I don't know, you know, maybe maybe not. You know, assistant in Boston, blah blah blah. But <laughs> I felt it was the right decision to get Thibs in here. And you saw what Thibs did when he got here. And, and I wasn't – I was a big Thibs fan of, uh, up until the end. And yes. towards the end, I was like, oh, no, dude, it's time for him to go. But I, I felt like probably, you know, uh, one or two years, I thought he, he should be in the running for coach of the year because the dude was amazing with the stuff he was doing. Now, he did destroy a bunch of players – the things that he was doing and, and the moves he was making on those courts, like, come on, man. He had John Lucas third and Aaron Brooks out there doing work. He had Nick Robinson out there doing work. Bellinelli out there. You know what I mean? Like,
2: yeah, yeah. Like,
3: you know, he, he did yeah. some incredible stuff, man. So I thought that was a great decision by Pats to sign him. But I feel like the best move he did for me was when he drafted Joe Kim Noah and drafting joe kim noah was not a popular move here in chicago i was in the i was in the minority i I thought it was a great pick from the beginning because i watched a lot of him in college in florida and i'll never forget he was the mvp he was voted the mvp of the uh, final four so was telling you that he was the best player on the court and so to be the starting center and the best player on a back-to-back team a team that was stacked by the way and to be on a back-to-back team in florida and to win those titles twice, and then you're bringing him in to the Bulls, who need a, a, a identity, who needed a, that kind of grit and that kind of leadership. You know, man, you know the Bulls love some grit. And he was everything. Yeah. Oh, come on. He was everything that they wanted and then some. And so when he got drafted, and he walks up there with the hair and the suit and the bow tie, throwing up the peace sign, and everybody like, who is this goofball? They're like, who is this guy? This is a terrible pick. He can't do anything. Blah blah blah. Soon as he got on the court and they saw that heart, they saw they saw the way he played and they saw the energy that he played with, man, and the determination that he played with. And then to go from that to becoming honestly, at one, when you're basically he was the best center in the league, and he was defense. He gave him Defensive Player of the Year because that was his MVP trophy. He finished what fourth in MVP voting that year. The man yeah, played point incredible. center. He was point defensive center. player of the
2: year. He was phenomenal in that season. No doubt incredible. about it.
3: Incredible. First team. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was yeah. awesome, man. He was incredible, man. So, to do what he did, play point center, putting up Hakeem Olajuwon numbers uh, in, in some of those games, man. Like, he was unbelievable. And I love the pick. And Pac should get all the credit in the world for not listening to the majority who who thought it was a stupid pick and go ahead and picking the right guy, Joe Kim Noah. And he turned into one of the greatest bulls of all time. And people love him. So I thought that was, for me, that was uh, my favorite move that he ever did.
2: And not only that, to be in that position, that was a team. And uh, we took Noah after 6 07 when we won, I think, 49 games. The only reason right. we were in position to, make, to get Noah was the trade for Eddie Curry with the Knicks. We were able to switch... Positions with the Knicks, it's like it's absolutely incredible that we were even in that position, and to get a player who was probably iconic. I mean, I I would argue Joakim Noah is probably in the top ten Bulls of all time. Oh, uh, it's not so, a a
3: question. But yes,
2: yeah, I, I would agree too. I know some people might argue on that. I, I, oh. I would say he's a, he's definitely in the top ten when you're talking about iconic Bulls, and he yes. definitely holds a you know legendary status. Um, yeah, no question about it. What, what did you have wrong with Skiles? I, I, never, oh, heard you, just, I never heard you rip I, on Skiles like I, this
3: before. What? I've always ripped on Skiles. I love I've Skiles. Never, I've never. We've had this <laughs> discussion, Fred. I've never <laughs> ever liked Scott Skiles. Scott Skiles belongs in high school. I be coaching in the NBA, Fred? The second they got Bill Wallace here, the second they got him, the first thing you don't tell him is take off what you're known for. Get your headbands out of here. Because they don't belong on a Scott Skiles court. <laughs> but you ruined him from the beginning. It's all he's known for. That's like that's like getting me, Fred, and saying, Dave, okay, don't wear no hats. Like, what? Like That's, all, that's me. That's what I do. <laughs> I like,
2: agree. That on. was a dumb move. But as it's far so as the dumb. coach and changing an identity, I thought Skiles was fantastic for the beloved. I mean, he yeah. immediately changed the identity of Chicago Bulls. That was a great he
3: era. Toughness. Yeah, no, he, he brought toughness and all that stuff. So, that's what he does. You know, he's known known for that kind of thing, man. But I saw the way he was doing Ben Gordon. And I saw the love he had for Kirk over Ben. And it was ridiculous. Okay? And you saw – you would watch it. When Ben Gordon make one mistake, Ben Gordon's out the game.
2: Totally agree. It's inexcusable that he wasn't starting from day one.
3: Oh, my – he wasn't starting. It's such a joke. crazy.
2: It's so stupid. And the arguments are so dumb. Like, for – fact – Ben Gordon's best two seasons were when he was a starter. He averaged yeah. 20 points per game for two playoff teams as a starter. And it was like he was penalized for winning the six-man-of-the-year award as a rookie, and it's like, oh, he's a he's a bench guy. Like, the idiocy just spewed about Ben Gordon, it, it makes me nauseated. I don't even want to go back to it. It's just so irritating. But I do got to say, the Pack's moved to me – that was the best was, was drafting Rose because of this reason that I still remember. And you do too. How many people were arguing for Beasley because we already had a great point guard in, in Kirk Heinrich, who was a travesty (laughs) in that season before we got Rose, you know, it's true, right? You remember arguing this, don't you?
3: I do remember people saying uh, the Michael Beasley arguments that were out there. It's true. That's a fact. There, there were people who wanted to take Michael Beasley over Derrick Rose. That That's not a myth at all. That is definitely a fact. So, yeah, I, and that's why when people call it an, a no-brainer, I, I never really thought it was a no-brainer because if you had that decision in some other people's hands, they would have been like, yeah, of course, we're going to take Michael Beasley. Now, it became a no-brainer as soon as you saw Derrick Rose on the court. You're like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah exactly. Said, girl,
2: yeah, yeah. Said, oh, yeah, I was I was for it the whole time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the guy
3: you were. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's insane. It's just like that to me. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was just that kind of thing for me. But you're right. Like, I knew you'd take Derrick Rose. Of course, you knew you'd take Derrick Rose. Of course, a, a majority of people knew you'd take Derrick Rose. But to act like there weren't detractors out there, people not clamoring for Michael Beasley and saying he was the one you're supposed to take is is wrong. People were definitely doing that.
2: Agree 100%. Speaking of draft picks, packs and draft picks, he's left us with what I call the core four. You know, Kobe White, Zach Levine, Laurie and. And Wendell Carter Jr. Now, knowing how AK is, basketball philosophy, you know, apparently, you know, passing first. Is there any one of the core four that you feel will be moved? Number mm. one, by him. Who would you predict that to be? And number two, would you agree with that, or would you prefer that he takes another year, or at least to the All Star break, to evaluate what we have?
3: Oh man, well, there's there are several responses I have for that. Um, there are two only two players I think I don't want to trade and that's Kobe White and Lowry marketing. And the only reason I don't want to trade Lowry marketing is because I just want one more year to show me exactly what I think I see. And what I think I see is somebody who is really good at basketball and not what I saw in this complete regression of this entire team. Not just Lowry marketing but everybody uh was in a pretty much a regression this year because you know of a you know the coach. I don't even want to name <laughs> exactly, but yeah. But everybody was just in a complete regression, and uh, so I just want to see one more year of Laurie. If if that happens, I, I just don't. I would I would be devastated if we lose Laurie. He goes somewhere else and flourishes. I would be just so upset. I would be yeah. completely upset. Um. So those are only two. Uh, as far as who I think he'll move, I think the answer of everybody might say is Zach Levine. Um because he might not fit the style like you just said, that he wants to play about the pass first, the pace and all those other things. Cause Zach is a guy you give the ball and he goes, and he dominates. And, and I don't even like saying that stuff about Zach Me, Cause that means been incredible. He's been the only thing worth watching about the Chicago Bulls this past year, two years. Cause he's been unbelievable, especially this year. He's turned himself Agreed. pretty much an all-star in my book. Agreed. Um, he's been awesome. Okay. He's been completely awesome. That Charlotte game. Oh my God. Like he's been awesome, man to watch. Um, but the guy I think that will be traded is Wendell Carter Jr. And the reasoning for that is I think he's playing out of position. Uh, when I found out he was six foot nine, that completely changed everything for me. Um, and then uh, you know they made him balloon up, you know, ridiculously to 270 pounds. And then they told him to stop shooting, and he's just confused. He didn't know what basketball was anymore. And it's, and I don't blame him for that. But he still would give you ten points and nine rebounds. You know, even even during all that stuff. But he's a guy who could, hasn't been able to stay healthy. He can't stay out of foul trouble. And he can't really guard those big men inside because they're playing him out of position. Um, but you can't move him to the position that he should be at because Lowry's there. And so you, I'm not going to move Lowry Marketing. Uh He's a guy that kind of fits the mode of what AK wants to run. And plus, you know, him being a Euro basketball player, I think that's also good for Lowry. Um, he he yeah. can kind of speak that language of basketball that Lowry uh, kind of understands a little bit more so Lowry's not moving from the four and Wendell I feel is out of position I think Gafford is a better fit right there at the five because he's not one who needs the ball he can just get the rebound you know and dunk it and run some screen and rolls and you know do it like that and be exciting you know and block shots too yeah. like that um, but Wendell Carter Jr. is a skilled basketball player Uh, He should be somewhere, you know, where he can be in the right position to where he can showcase those skills and those talents that he has, because I'm not I don't want to trade him because he's not good. He is good. He's a really good basketball player, in my opinion, and he's going to flourish where when he gets out of there, he gets in that right position to play. So I, I think when you're telling this guy to put on 20 pounds of muscle and to change his whole game, I think you need to get him out, you know, and let him go. And flourish somewhere else, man, because I don't want him to stay here playing out of position and playing in a way where I think doesn't help his game evolve and, and get better. So I think with Carter Jr. be the guy you move? Because even if the Bulls don't get a point guard, you know, in the draft, you know, Kobe White is going to be the guy who who takes over that. So Zach Levine can still have a position uh at the two and, you know, give you time to figure out if this is going to work or not. But a guy like Wendell Carter Jr., I think, has already shown that he's not um, the one you need at that position, at that center position. Not because he ain't good and not because he ain't skilled. It's just because of his size and he's playing out of position in my opinion. That's all.
2: Man, that is a dangerous move. I'll tell you, I would have serious reservations about moving Wendell Carter Jr. Just because Mm -hmm. I think rim defense is such a – it's a, even in today's game. It's still important. It's still extremely important. And as good as Gafford is, I don't think he's in the same tier as Wendell Carter Jr. I do agree with you. Though. Like, why did he? Are you telling me that you hear that the team asked him to get that big? Because when I saw him in October, I was mort- not mortified, but I was shocked at how huge he was. He wasn't fat, yeah. but he was. Yeah. It was clear he was like I thought he was like two ninety. He looked so big. And yeah. to me, you don't need to be that big in today's game. You should be playing. No. He should be playing at two feet. He should be playing exactly how he at, at the weight and how he looked in college. And yeah, I don't think it's yeah, helped agree. him. You know, yeah, I think he's no slower. question about
3: it. No um, question about it. To put, play with that kind of extra muscle on you and at the size you were, the impact that has to have on your knees. And with a guy who hasn't been able to stay on the court because of injury issues uh, from from his hands to his feet. And so, yeah, like, that's not – I didn't think it was the right move at all to make him – to ask him to do that and to to want him to get bulkier and healthy and bigger and stuff like that. So
2: Yeah. Let me ask you this because I didn't ask you this beforehand, but I'd like to get your opinion on it. I think the Bulls are at a crossroads here with their backcourt. Like, they can go one of two directions. They can go and become the Portland of the East where you have basically two – not, I don't think White or Levine are really a tr- a true one or two. I think they're kind of combo guards. And if you look, that's exactly what you have in Portland, McCollum. And, and you know, it, it, to me, those two guys are basically combo guards. They're not really a true point or two. And that's mm-hmm. what the Bulls could go into. Or I think, I think which is the more likely scenario is they trade Levine for the following reason that, number one, is contract's coming up. Even I, as much as I love Zach, I'm hesitant to give him a max deal. He's going to absolutely get one. And mm-hmm. number two, I think Kobe White, uh, Kobe White's emergence as a scorer has made him a little bit at least potentially expendable that you could trade him and not have a completely drastic, you know, uh, nuclear meltdown in the offense.
0: Mm-hmm. What do
2: you think? What would you choose out of those two roads?
3: Man, Zach Levine uh, being traded will probably be the road uh, that you go down. Uh, it's, I don't even like saying this.
2: Is that the road you would choose? Is that the road you would choose, Big Dave? Or would you prefer to go with forward with these two in the backcourt?
3: I want to take a year with these two in the backcourt just because I want to see it. Yeah, Um, because they're both too good to me. And again, I think of um, Denver because I think of guys like, you know, Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, who Jamal Murray for me is not a true point guard. Exactly.
2: That's a great analogy. Yeah.
3: And Gary Harris is not a true point guard. Neither one of them are. Um, Because I believe Gary Harris averages like what, like two assists a game or something like that. (laughs) So so, Jamal Murray scores so I think it, it was I don't even like saying this word when it comes to but positionless basketball it's, it's kind of uh what it is because I don't believe it that's because you're playing a position like this is what you're doing yeah you're there you play a position yeah uh, but yeah so I don't I, I'm okay with seeing Kobe and Zach out there together and again this is if they don't get a point guard because uh, if they get a guy if they mess around and fall into Lamelo ball that, that changes everything but if, if they don't and they continue to go without Kobe, because Kobe has to start, period. Yes. And Kobe has to be out there and Zach has to be start, period. That has to happen. So to watch, wanna, I wanna watch those two together, your best two players on the court and seeing what the defense has to do and how they're gonna have to react to it. Um, and Kobe, I mean, I don't like people act like Kobe can't play a point guard position that he can't pass the ball or something. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. I don't understand yeah. that philosophy at all. Like, dude, he's a basketball player. That's what he does. He trains with Chris Paul. I think he knows how to pass the basketball and find the open man. So I'm not I'm not concerned about that at all with uh, Kobe White. It's just about the reps that he gets at at the time that he gets while he's doing it. So his game is gonna evolve into what he wants his game to evolve into. So I'm just eager to see it Fred like I'm just eager to see Zach and Kobe together in that backcourt to see what we have because like I said in Denver those guys aren't point guards either but they're winning because they're playing they're just doing what they do best period and that's all you can ask for guys who are this kind of skilled I mean Zach is a 25 point a game score 25 points he gets you 25 5 and 5 you know what I mean yeah Kobe White come out there and get you a good 18 maybe even 20 like, we don't know. You know, we, we got to see what it is. And we don't know if he can get you those assists because I've seen games where he's ha- been able to get you those kind of assists and, and that kind of skill and that have that kind of uh, talent out there. So, yeah, I, I want to see them play together first before it happens. Now, I'm hoping because I'm sure a lot of people just like you got to get rid of Zach Bean now. The contract's going to his third year. He's not going to be able to be fitting with this uh, offense, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, your offense is going to be dictated about who's good. So you're going to dictate your offense about, around your best players. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so whoever your best players are, that's who you're going to dictate it around. And that's who you're going to center it around. So Zach is also shown to be able to adapt. Didn't they tell Zach to stop shooting mid-range shots? Didn't they tell Zach he needs to facilitate more and do those things? Yeah, he did. Okay, he said, fine, I'll do those things. That's what y'all want me to do? Cool. Guess what? It didn't work. So I just went back to doing what I do best, and that's putting the ball in the bucket. My main range shot. So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say Zach can't learn it, because of course he can. He's a good basketball player. He can learn anything that you're going to put in front of him. So, But that's what I want to see, Fred. I want to see Zach and Kobe in that backcourt together to know what I have before I just make a decision of uh, trading Zach
2: I, or something. I, like I agree 100%. I think the smart move is to go into next season on game one with the core four and Otto Porter jr. At the three make, make changes around, you know, on the bench and wherever you need to, and then make a decision by the all-star break. If you're trading Larry market and his trade value is at its floor, it can't get any lower. So to me, that'd be a very foolish move. I, I do feel they'll probably move Levine. though. I hate to say it. I think that's the guy they'll move. Um, you know, and I just hope he doesn't do it before the all-star break. I think I, I agree with you hundred percent. I want to see what they have, you know, uh, up until that, you know, at least for a quarter of a season. And who knows if they're making it, if they finally make a run, you know, and uh, yeah. these guys stay healthy. I, I, I think you would agree with a different coach. This team, this past year would have been probably maybe not significantly better, but they could have been challenging for that last playoff spot. Wouldn't you concur?
3: I mean, they'll be better. I don't challenge you for the last playoff spot. Okay, sure. I'll go with that. You know, I'll I err on the side of positive. But they'll be better. I mean, I'm sure they'll be more competent. I wouldn't be seeing the foolishness I got to see night after night. And, and oh my god, my head hurts just thinking about it. Like <laughs> the stuff I had positive. because because of these coaching decisions and these moves. And and it got to a point, Fred, where it was like, is it just me? Am I crazy? And then I was sitting, I was listening to the uh, away announcers. Like, what is he doing? You know, like they yeah. would be confused. Yeah. Like, do you remember the Denver game when Gaffer's laying on the ground? You know, and, and he just left him there, went call called a timeout to get him out of the game. And Dallas had to call a timeout to get him <laughs> out of the game. <laughs> what? And the, and the what Dallas a jackass.
2: Like, oh, my
3: yeah, gosh. I was like, why did he go timeout? Like, why does he just let this dude lay out there? That's crazy. They didn't understand it either. So. That's why I'm like, okay, well, bet. It's not just me. I'm not just crazy. I understand what's up, man. So, yeah, man, like, yeah, the competency would obviously be better with a better coach. I I wholeheartedly concur with that, Fred. Would it mean uh, AFC? I would hope so. You know, it'd be cool to see. Um, But honestly, I I wouldn't know. Honestly, I I don't know. But I'll err on the side positive. Yeah, sure.
2: Last question that wraps us up. I can't thank you enough for your time on the bullseye here. Okay. We're about ready to go into the, the last dance. And, you know, this whole week has been just emotional for me, just thinking about Jordan and what he meant to me in my life growing up. You know, he's he was the hero to me. And I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, we're going to watch this and you're going to see what a jerk Michael Jordan is. And I'm like, in my head, I'm saying there is nothing I could see on that screen. That will make me feel any different about Michael Jordan. I don't care what it is. I love Michael Jordan. I, and, and, you know, there's nothing I'm going to see. And just because he wants to win, he's got a passion about winning, and he might not be, you know, extremely friendly to some of his teammates. Like, that doesn't matter. I mean, Michael Jordan has done more for the city and, and for most of our, you know, sports lives than any individual. I, I would argue in, in the history of Chicago sports, I don't even think it's yeah. close. What yeah. say you uh, as we get ready for the last dance? What are your thoughts as we go into this?
3: Man, I mean, I'm so ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, so ready. And, and Fred, I, I'm taking it a step further, not just what he did for Chicago, but what he did globally. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like What, what Michael Jordan, I, I'll never forget when I found out that Michael Jordan was worth $10 billion to the U.S. economy. You know, when he was out there, when he came back, you know, after he retired, they showed it And I, and I was like, that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. You know what I mean? That yeah. lets you know who he is and, and just the kind of person they But as far as him, you know, being a jerk team, we already knew this. For me, that's that's common knowledge, especially if you're from here. You knew Mike was a jerk to them guys and how he treated those dudes. You, you knew how he was, man. You've heard millions of these stories of how he treated these players, man. Dude, he punched Steve Kerr in the face. Like, he deserved we, it. We know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we know we know these things. We know about Mike, man. You've heard about Mike being a jerk. You've heard about Mike's uh, exports exports off the court and these things like that. Like, you've heard all these stories about him, and all I come back with is he's the GOAT. That's all I come back with. Like, dude, he's the girl. Like, I agree with you, Fred. There's nothing I'm really going to see. And I'm going to be like, you know what? He's not the go to me anymore. No, this is the greatest professional <laughs> basketball player that has ever played the game, period. And that's what it's always going to be, you know what I'm saying? Until somebody comes around and dethrones it. But until then, that's what it is. And I'm just so excited to just relive it because, you know, you and I, Fred. I mean, we, 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 we were there. You know yes. what I'm saying? We have fond yes. memories of this and fond recollections. Of this uh, championship, the first all six of them actually. So to see this being relived, uh, the last dance because we knew what it was going in. We knew what Kraus was saying. You know, we and, and, and to know to know how hard it was that year. And people forget Michael Jordan in 1988 was the only All Star on that team. Like like he was yeah. the only one. He was the All Star on that team. The first year they won, he was the All Star. The last year they won, he was the only All Star. And the last year was much, much tougher because nobody's outside of us because we just knew because, you know, we're, we're cocky like that. We was like Mike, we got Mike, we win it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we understand what it was. So but yeah, man, like outside of us, we knew that they were going to win. So a lot of people just still thinking that it was Utah's time. And, you know, oh, no, it's time to be the throne. They're going out because nobody can just do it like this. Yep, somebody can do it like this. <laughs> His name is Michael Jeffrey Jordan. His name is Scottie Pippen. His name is Dennis Bromann. And we're going to do it like this, man. We were going to win. We knew what it was. Like, I always tell people how when we look at other Bulls teams, I, I kind of have an idea of where they're going to be and how good they're going to be and how far they're going to go in the playoffs because I grew up watching winning. So I know what winning looks like. You know, I know, I know what it feels like. I know that feeling. Fred, oh, you know that great. feeling in the pit of your stomach of what it feels like to walk around knowing that you've won and nobody's gonna beat you. And you're gonna win again the next year. You know what that feels like. It was weird when you saw the Bulls lose three game two games in a row. It was weird. You'd be like they lost two games? Oh my God, what's going on in here? This is insane. Like, <laughs> yeah. This totally is agree. Guys, like going crazy. Stuff is going crazy out here. So it's just gonna for me it's gonna be fun to watch. Um, I'm ready to be educated on things that, you know, maybe I didn't know because I, obviously I don't know everything. So I'm ready to be educated on those things. I'm ready to reminisce uh, about the first championships that they did, uh, even championships four and five. Cause I'm sure they're going to touch on all, all this stuff. So I'm just ready for it all Fred Like, I'm just can't wait to sit there and just just man, just just turn my brain off and just focus strictly on one of the most wonderful times in my life.
2: It was wonderful, but there was – what always bothered me about it, especially the second three, is I never really could – there was always this drama off the court. And going into yeah. that season, I do remember, you know, Kraus – you know, Jordan had tied his future to Phil Jackson. And mm-hmm. and, and Kraus had the temerity to tell Jackson before the end of that season, I don't care if you're 82-0, and 0, you're gone. So there was a finality yeah, said- about it, and it's so inexcusable that – it would even get to that point. like the minute you know that Michael Jordan is tied to Phil Jackson, I don't care what, you know Kraus needs to be reassigned to some other position because you cannot let <laughs> you cannot let Michael Jordan walk out of the Bulls organization due to the you know just arrogance. I always felt like Kraus in the back of his mind really just knew that he would never get the credit of being a, a great GM since he walked into a position with the greatest player of all time. On the right, on the roster, right, right. he needed to do it without him, and and my God, did he fail! But you know, and also people forget, <laughs> Pippin, Pippin missed the whole first half of the season. He waited sure long to get his back surgery. There was so much drama going yeah. on that it, I never really, I was always kind of in the back of my mind thinking, like, you know, we're, we're, we're I wanted to go one more year, one more year, and it's it's a shame, man. It they didn't they didn't lose it on the court. They lost it off the court. You know? No, Yo,
3: absolutely, right. It just breaks absolutely my heart. Right for
2: it. it. Breaks my heart that we never got a chance. Cuz I don't know if you feel this way. I do feel I, that. If they they would have won number 7. I just I think they would have. You know, I, I don't I don't
3: I don't feel I don't feel but I don't feel unfulfilled. And that, and that's the thing about it is I don't feel unfulfilled with that because one, I think crowd saying that also gave Michael Jordan another challenge. Because when you say stuff like this is going to be it, you know what I'm saying, Mike. All Mike has said was, "There's no way I'm losing." So for me, that that gives Michael Jordan another challenge. Mike, and as you know, Mike loves to challenge. So yeah. I think that crazily, you know, did something to Mike's mind to make him say, "Yeah, man, we we gotta win." Period. Because I'm not going out like this. Then you go out with one of the most iconic shots yes. ever, most iconic poses ever. And before that, one of the greatest defensive plays. I can't tell you how many times I watched the last eight minutes of that fourth quarter. And you just watch how many times Michael Jordan watches them run that same play. He watched it every single time. And each time, he just kept would go with Hornacek and go to the corner. He would go past the baseline and go to the corner. He Because they ran it a lot. They ran it about at least a good yes. three, four times. And yeah. he's just sitting there and you watch him. Like, you see him watch it. You see him watch it. You see him watch it. And so after that, after they got that bucket, and he knew it was coming. So as soon as they got to that side of the court, and he faked and came back and took it right from him. It was correct. (laughs)
2: The defensive play the defensive play to me was every bit as good as the shot. You know, the shot, you knew that was going to happen. But to get the steal on, on, you know, a Hall of Fame player like Carl Malone That's the difference between him and everybody else. Like no one else stepped up like that in the moments that mattered, like Michael Jordan, no one ever will. And, uh, I I love the guy. I just love him so much that I've never felt this way about any professional athlete. Um, and there's been a lot of great ones in Chicago history. I just can't wait till Sunday,
3: man. Ball on Bulls will definitely be recording and definitely be, uh, talking about, um, this this last dance coming up man so we're gonna definitely have some shows planned for you guys and that's gonna be great and i can't wait to do that man but yeah man it's it's i'm just so excited i'm so excited to just sit and watch this man do you understand how popular and wonderful your team got to be that a documentary that was supposed to come out in june they said nope you know what let's move it up up." (laughs) get it up to april Like, dude, do you know what that, come on, man, seriously, that's, if there's not another documentary, honestly, I can think of, I can say, you know what, go ahead, and move that up a couple months, because we got time to watch it, no, the world demanded it, the world did, I'm sure there are regions and sections that people might demand other documentaries, but the world said, no, we want this, period, and we got to have it, and they knew that they got to have it, man, they knew what they had, so, man, it's time, though, baby, I can't wait, it's time to watch
2: it. I can't wait. Big Dave, thanks so much for coming on the Bullseye. Uh, Anything you want to pub, uh, talk about before we head out?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, check me out on Ball on Bulls. Bow on Bulls, B-A-W-L on Bulls. Uh, That's the podcast I do with my man Chris, a.k.a. C-Dub. You can check it out on ballsports.com. Follow us on Twitter, at ballsports and at ballsports1, and on Instagram, at ballsports and also you can check out the weekly podcast I do with my man Matt Peck, uh, Fred's best friend. Uh,
2: I love John. Matt. What are you talking about? We're, we're all good now that, that, that we got nothing to argue about anymore. Oh, you will always have something
3: <laughs> to argue about with Matt Peck. Don't you ever be that naive. Hey, always the second always. place
2: voice of the fan Matt Peck is always, <laughs> will always have a warm spot in my heart. Yeah, I think he's a, a tremendous talent tremendous talent
3: oh man yeah man that's my guy man uh but matt peck and john say by uh doing our weekly bulls outsiders podcast uh that we do that every single week and you better believe we'll be talking about the last dance on that too so yeah check us out there
2: all right man great talking to you, big dave i i can't wait to uh get your feedback on uh the last dance and uh definitely let's touch base again soon
3: Hey, you know you're my guy, Fred. Man, whenever you yeah. need me, I'll be here for you. Say it a thousand times, Fred. I would never be in this position without you, bro.
2: I appreciate you saying we'll that. But believe me, you would have. You're way too talented for people not yeah. to uh, not to know how great you are, man. So I really appreciate you saying that. But it's all you. It's all you, buddy. All right, I man. You. Take it easy, Big Dave. Talk to you soon. Say hi to everybody for all me right. too. And, I'll, and and next week, your older brother back on the cast. Can't wait to have him yes, on. Yes, sir.
3: He's, yes, sir. He's it's a, gonna be awesome. He's
2: great. So talk to you later, bud. All right, now take care. Bye-bye.